Rational discussion, common sense, open debate. RCR, Reality Check Radio with Paul Brennan. So we're starting a new feature here on Tuesdays called Tech Tuesday. We need to stay ahead of the tech developments uh, for good reason too, because there are privacy issues. Um, there are issues of all sorts of new software coming down, AI in the background, trying to work out what we're doing. We're giving our locations away. Um, soon we'll be spending digital money, et cetera. So we need to stay ahead of the game. Stephen Sykes is a tech person from Christchurch, and he's going to be uh, coming in on Tuesdays to uh, talk tech with us. Stephen, welcome to Tech Tuesdays. Thank you for putting your hand up for this. No, you're welcome. Okay, so what's your background? So uh, I remember the, the day as a kid when uh, we got our first computer. And okay. So when was that? I what? think, I think uh, it was 82 or 83, somewhere like that. Uh, it was the last day of the school term and we lived out in the country and this guy comes up the driveway and, like, when you live out in the country and some foreign car comes up your driveway, you notice. Yeah. So um, next minute I'm sitting in front of a computer in the sky showing my father stuff and I'm sitting on his lap and uh, I played games on it and it was capable of, of a massive eight colours um, at the time. I, I remember those days too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I played games for years and then one thing led to another and so what I do now, I have a background in computer science and software engineering. I tinker around with programming microcontrollers and writing software for those and doing customized uh, projects for, for people, um, both professionally and kind of in my own time. Uh, I have also, and um, I guess the thing I'm most famous for, um, is do you remember the original TV show Night Rider? Yes, I do. The Talking Car. That's the one, the one with the smart mouth. So, Kit, uh, yes, very good. Um, I have one of those cars, um, which I've built, and I've written some software for that to make the car a bit more, you know, realistic um, and building it with, you know, modern technology compared to the special effects they had available in the 80s. Didn't they have a sort of like red array of lights or something that, that yeah. lit up every time yep. Kit said yeah. something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that, was, that was called the scanner. So um, I, uh. I built one of those, and as far as I can tell, I can, I'm still the first person who has built one that does 24-bit colour. So that's 16.7 million colours. Um, I haven't seen anyone else make one that does more than one colour at a time. Well, so, well, well done, Steve. I mean, yeah. uh, belated congratulations on that. Now you've revealed it to the world. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. So you're always sort of kind of interested from that moment that the computer arrived. Um, I, I remember those days because um, I remember when Microsoft Flight Simulator came out in 1982. Yes. And I went out and I bought the program because at work we had a new IBM computer that could run it. Now, it, was, it, wa it wasn't even like a 186 or a 286. Remember those models, that, the 386 and 486? It was, and it was just all line drawings. Yes. And they moved at about five frames a second, right? So you had to have quite a bit of imagination to get the entertainment from, well, the game. But it still did enough to be interesting and kind of challenging. I have the latest version of that now. 
and it's photorealistic to the maximum. It's mm -hmm. mind blowing. And I've still got that disc in my storage of, of that, you know, first version I bought. It's probably a collector's item now. Mm. And that's, that's 30 years. That's only 30 years. It's incredible. I know, and so much has changed in that time. Yeah, and the, just the processing grunt is, is mind-blowing with graphics cards and everything. I, I suppose I should be trying to make bitcoins on the side with the graphics card I've got here. <laughs> probably yeah. be here for a while. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you need a decent graphics card for that and then decent constant power su supply to feed it. So we can't get by without this technology now. I just w was walking downtown, uh, you know, yesterday afternoon. Everyone, everyone virtually had their phone displayed, you know. Mm -hmm. um, even, you know, quite elderly people have got their phones going now. Um, and people walk along looking at them. We, we, we know about that. They're all pervasive. Now, there's an upside, but there's got to be a downside as well, right? Yeah, so um, we humans are a bit of a funny bunch, and we're a bit lazy sometimes, and we are suckers for convenience. If something can be made easier for us, then we don't have to think, uh, nine times out of ten, we'll choose it. And if you come across an advertising campaign, you know, big loud flashy music and colours and stuff. We're in. Uh, we're in. We're, we're in hook, line and sinker. And so there's no doubt they have created a whole bunch of uh, conveniences. You know, we've got enhanced communications and all that kind of stuff. But um, the stuff that goes in the background that you just don't see and you're not aware of it, unless you go looking for it or someone tells you about it. But even so, you can tell someone about it, but then you've got the problem of how do you make someone care and you just can't. And then uh, you've got to make or instill in, in someone who, who then cares to understand enough to be able to make the effort to configure their device in such a way that minimises the invasive nature of them, right? Yeah, so... Um, most phones that you get off the shelf in the store, um, the way they come, they're not your friend. And there is an illusion, in my view, that various privacy settings you can set um, on a phone just don't go far enough because you've got um, the big tech um, hook that's happening in the background. And personally, I, I use a de-Googled phone. And to explain that, if you... Um, my everyday phone is actually a Samsung Galaxy S10 Plus. And when, when you buy a phone like that, it's got all the usual Samsung applications as well as the Google ones. Now, the degooling process is when you wipe all of that and you replace that with a more of a stock slimmed down version of Android. So you don't have, you don't have any of the Google apps unless you consciously put those back but if you're going to have a de-Googled phone, then I'd argue, what's the point? You don't mm. have other things like the Facebook app in there. You can still use Facebook, but in a different way. So avoid the app and use what the um, the the web page or, or whatever. You can. Um, there's other applications that are written with free open source software, which basically hook into the Facebook system, and you can use that which is so it's kind of like a trimmed down facebook app so it doesn't use the microphone so you don't have to worry about facebook listening in on your conversations do they 
Oh yeah, um, you they listen in, and also uh, a few years ago, a feature turned up where if you've got your GPS going, if you start walking past certain shops and they know where you are and they know what their shop is, you can start getting ads for that shop. Well, yeah, but listening in, that's freaky. That's not individuals like sitting in a big table listening to people. That's digital listening, what? Um, listening for key words, key phrases, combinations of words. Is that how it works? Yeah, well, it's not just your phone. It's um, smart TVs have microphones in them. And Oh, and everybody's lounge room. Yeah, so if you've got a smart TV, they've got microphones in there because basically smart TVs are not TVs. They're a computer with a great big whopping screen and the ability to receive free view television. That's what they actually are. Under the but, but they're not marketed like that. No, no. Um, and then, of course, you've got your um, Google Home devices. You've got your um, Amazon um, Alexas. My dad uh, uses Alexa because he's his sight's affected. Is that? I mean, it's very handy for him. But is that again listening to everything he said with with more than just wanting to return the search term that he might be using? Yes, because how would it know to when to listen if it wasn't listening in the first place? Okay, well, yeah, true. Though his voice activates it, does it recognize individual voices? There's a question. Does it sort of map the tone of the or the individuality of a voice, or is it just a voice? It's just a voice. So, you know, you say, Alexa, play me whatever music you want, or, you know, what's the capital of London, of England, sort of thing. And it doesn't matter whose voice. And right. uh, a few years ago, I was reading uh, whereby. Amazon, there there are people in Amazon who listen to the recordings that Alexa has made of people. And the reason they do that was to try, in inverted commas, make a better product. Okay, well, how would you make a better product? I guess some people don't speak that clearly and you need to still try and understand them. Uh, Would there be more to it than that? Well, it's, um, I, th- I think the red flag there is that you've got somebody else in the country far, far away listening into your conversations. Okay. I wonder how you get drawn out because there must be so many conversations in the millions and millions. Well, there is a thing, you know, you can do voice ID prints, like, for example, uh, Inland Revenue here, um, you can enroll to have a, a voice ID so your voice um, is fairly unique, um, unless you're good at imitating other people's voices. Yeah, that, that would be that would be entertaining. Is that a good mimic? Sort of getting the tax details of some celebrity or something by imitating them. Yeah, it's be yeah. pretty accurate technology. Well, you know, all these things get better all the time. So um, it's it's unwise to underestimate um, something just because. In its premise, it might look, um, you know, incomplete. Give it mm. time, and it'll get there. Uh, you mentioned degoogling. So, is that s- something that's sort of within the capability of the average person to, to do with their phone, or would you have to get help for that? I guess for most people, they need to get help from someone to do that. And there's a variety of different phones that are supported. So, if you're interested in, in getting a degoogle, e-Google phone, 
you wouldn't rush out there and buy to a shop and buy the latest model of anything and then go and de-Google it because it doesn't work that way. Um, if you've got an Apple iPhone, just forget it. Um, stick a nail through it. Really? Uh, well, yeah, because um, in that ecosystem, you're allowed to do whatever you like so long as Apple says so. Now, if you're running an, an Android phone, you have the option of de-Googling, but it's only with supported models. They've got many, 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 many uh, models of Android phone out there. So the fact that people um, provide uh, an operating, an alternative operating system for phones that we can use for free, free of price, then that's pretty awesome. So I, I use one called Lineage OS. There's another one called eFoundation. There's another one called, and I hate to use this word, Graphene OS. Graphene, we've, we've yeah. heard that before. Yeah, I know it's got some connotations attached it, to it. It sure does, yep. And ironically, uh, this is the very definition of irony, the best supported phone for de-Googling is a Google Pixel phone. Oh, and when I say best supported, out of all those operating system names I mentioned, it's supported by all of them. Okay. I noticed you used the term free open source before. I've heard of open source and always thought that that was, you know, just available to everyone because it sounds like it is just in the name. But what's the difference between free open source? Is that like, you know, you get it for free or there's more freedom attached to it than just open source what's the difference so um again you know people use the term free open source and open source as if they're the same thing so free open source it, it's like um free isn't the funny thing with the english language you, you've got free as in speech and then you've got free as in beer yeah so um, with open source if you wish to make um, some product and some bit of software and you want it to work with somebody else's software. And for that to work properly, you need to see what the other program's code is doing. So you approach that company and say, we're building this to work with your product, but we need to see what your code's doing so it can work better. And they say, okay, fine. Here, sign a non-disclosure agreement stating that you can look at the code for the purposes that you need it for to make your product, but you're not allowed under any circumstance to distribute our code to anybody. If you do, we'll come down on you like a ton of bricks. We'll take your firstborn and steal a kidney. Okay. But that's now, kind of fair enough in a way if you've put the effort into the development of it and you know, you're know you seeking to monetize that but but it, it, it restricts what can be done yes yeah so so that's like in a commercial sense when you've got closed source proprietary code now if it's free open source software then anybody can get access to the source code that makes a whole app or piece of software work in the first place this is like being able to uh read a recipe for making some sort of cake or making some kind of dish, okay? So anybody can look at the software, 
in the same way with food, anyone can look at the um, ingredients used in the food and you can change it. So like if you've got a nut allergy and there's peanuts and you can't eat peanuts, then you're like, okay, well, I'll take up the peanuts and I'll put something else in, in instead of it. And you can customize it um, for you. Um, with free open source, then again, because other people can look at it, they can tweak the code to fit their purposes. And then they can redistribute that code without any fear of um, penalty of any sort. And other people can go, and go, oh, cool, I like what you've done with this. I see a need for this, and then go and use it. Yeah, so, and you can, you can imagine the innovation can just keep on oh, exactly. uh, evolving. Mean, yeah, because like with commercial software, you know, you tend to have to pay for a software license, right? And in the old days, when you bought boxed software, you handed over your money, you got a box, and there might have been a CD in it, and you installed it on your computer, and you could use it forever. With software as a service now, you have to pay an annual subscription. And the moment you stop paying, the software breaks and, and, and it's game over. Yeah. They've got you by the short and curly, so to speak. Pretty much. Because uh, okay. the, the, the other point, too, yep. is that um, with licensing of software, given that it's so critical in our daily lives, can you imagine how crazy the world would be if you had to buy a license in order to use mathematics. Okay, yeah, that's a good way of thinking of it. Yeah, imagine yeah. that. Yeah. There'd be a lot of um, mathematically illiterate people in the world. It would. And, you know, say you needed to buy, you needed to buy a license in order to use a, a, knife, a screwdriver or a hammer. Right, okay, gee. Okay. I mean, um, they're absurd thoughts, but you know it's it's. And well, they're, they're, they're sort of parallels, aren't they? That uh, if you if you applied that thinking across the board, you'd be at that level almost. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the screwdriver won't work. I haven't paid the license fee. Exactly. <laughs> All right. The other big thing that's on everyone's minds, and and maybe um, yeah, this overlaps, I think, to privacy, and that is artificial intelligence. And that's been in the news a lot. I mean, I've been following this, well, since seeing Space Odyssey 2001 and how, because um, mm. that was really a, a great look into the future. Um, and it's kind of sort of gone that way, I suppose, or you could see it going that way where AI sort of takes on some sort of awareness uh, or even consciousness in its sort of progression of learning. And do you see AI as an eventual threat, you know, that people should be really aware of, or is it, is it just going to help us in our daily lives? And, 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 who, and who makes the decision what it should be? They're all really excellent points. Um, I think that it can have a... Um, constructive use, there's a place for most technologies when they get invented. But the, the tricky thing that we tend to have always done is that we don't know when to stop. We don't know when to um, back up the truck and go, hold up, I think this could, this could end up bad. Um, I think we certainly should be you know, exploring it we, we need to have boundaries. We, we need to decide that, you know, when too much is enough. 
we we need we need to have that conversation um, seriously and just not let this get away because when you know big tech get excited by this and can potentially make money off us and you'll have all kinds of military operations and now we're talking about Skynet from the Terminator movies when that's got access and control to various systems um, and I th I think we. I don't know if we'll ever get to be so mature that we can say, okay, we're not going to do this. Yeah, because that point you made about convenience, if it seems like an AI sort of powered world creates incredible convenience, mm. then people are going to naturally move towards it, aren't they? Yeah. Without even thinking, perhaps. Yeah, like um, an AI at a fridge, for example, might go, oh, I see you're out of milk, so I'm going to order some for you. And then you go to the fridge and boom, there's a new bottle. You know, it's turned up at your house or something like that. And yeah. you didn't have to do anything. Yeah. So, so that would be, you know, that would be a nice convenience. But it would same, be. Yeah. But at the same time, it breeds laziness and it severs your connection with other humans. Do you think it's possible? Because this is the big debate here. Is it possible? And who was it, Alan Turing? Yeah. Who came up with the test, right? What, 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 can you remind us of that, that test and what it means? Yeah, it was called the, the Turing test. So when you interact with a system, uh, if you can't tell if the difference between interacting with a human or a computer, and you are interacting with a computer, but you think you're interacting with a human, then that system passes the test. Are we anywhere near that? I would suggest that we are. I would suggest that we are too. And it will only, it will only be refined, um, sandpapered and polished and made even better. And I mean, also, also with the deep fakes now, you know, video, I mean, it's being able to yeah, manipulate video in real time yes. and map on faces and, 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 and simulate voices. And some of it now is very good. And to an unsuspecting person who's not educated in these matters, could be so easily fooled. Their whole concept of reality could be completely false. They wouldn't even know it. Yeah. And at this point, this is when the lines of the physical world and the real world start to blur when you can't tell which is which. And at that point, we're in the matrix when you can't tell if you're, you're still asleep and dreaming or if you've woken up yeah imagine i mean this is getting a bit fanciful but you can imagine um ai generated biden coming on ai controlled television networks delivering an ai we're going to war with some country and people would think that was real i mean that's oh, yeah. worst case scenario but it's 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 within the realms of maybe not possibility right now but it not too far away. I mean, he's not going to be around for much longer, I don't think, given his age, but you can imagine that sort of scenario. Oh, yeah, it's it's not far-fetched at all. It's it's just not. And it's being able to determine the difference between what's what's real and what's not. There are, There is research going on to be able to determine uh, fake work versus something that's a genuine article. But, again... That's not an exact science. And could be manipulated as well. Yeah, it can. But hey, if, if you're, um, 
you're releasing your source code so that other people can look at it. And I th- then, then great. Then you know, with there's an old saying that with open, free, open source code, uh, with enough eyes, all bugs are shallowed. Right. Okay. So possibly lawmakers could put those checks and balances in. So you, you can't have a let's say a an AI system without having all the source code available. You could, um, but again, I think you'd need to get lawmakers to understand the value and importance to society of having free open source software. It's pretty Um, obvious, isn't it? Pretty damn obvious. Well, I would have thought so. I mean, like, for example, if you look at the website top500.org, that is a list of the top 500 supercomputers on the planet. 100% of them are running the free open source operating system Linux. And they're used for a whole bunch of stuff. You know, back in the old days, um, you'd have a handful of machines running Linux, uh, sorry, Unix, and a few running Windows. Um, But anyone who's doing anything serious is using free open source software. They're running Linux for solving the big big problems uh, of the world. The majority of the internet runs it. If you took away free open source software, the digital landscape as you know it would just disappear. All your Android phones would go. Your connectivity to the internet would go because all your routers at home are running free open source software. They're running an operating system on Linux. Over half of the websites would go away as well. So that's how much it's here in the background every day doing stuff uh, for you. The next um, item that we should mention in this sort of opening program, because I'm sure it'll come up um, in others, and that is this whole question of digital currency. And you, you talk to you know a mate, and they'll perceive, well, some are more well-informed than others, but most people's concept of digital currency is what we've got now. Like you put your card in and tap in your pin and money gets transferred electronically, digitally, and that's digital currency. But that is not digital currency, really, is it? In the No, because... To be accurate. Yeah, so digital currencies are sort of tied to a digital identity as well. And that's when everything you, you know purchase can be scrutinised. Um, I can imagine or I can foresee that, A, it's going to happen. I don't want it to. But if we prepare for, you know, that being an inevitable outcome. Yeah, who wants it? This is a good question. Who bloody well wants digital currency? I'm fine with the way things are at the moment. Why do we have to have have it differently? It seems like it's a top-down imposition, like the, the bureaucrats and the bankers want it they must want it for a particular reason well yeah because like um i think i think it's uh the old the old british um comedy shows at the goonies so um, yeah, the go- yeah well there was the go- the goons and there was another one too um um but yeah yeah carry on yeah so um one of them says to the other hey you owe me 10 
10 quid for something. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. Here it is. And he pulls out 10 quid, gives it to his mate. And then the other one says, actually, you owe me 10 quid as well. So he passes the $10 note on to him. And then the first guy says, actually, you owe me 10 quid too, remember? And then basically this note goes around the three of them, comes back to the original guy. So they've all paid off their debts and he's still got his $10. Right. But in a digital in a digital environment, that can't happen. And oh, okay, explain explain why. Because at the end of the day, they're just numbers in a database. Well, so there's no physical exchange. There's nothing, there's no, there's nothing physical. And because because of that, a the systems can be broken into. They can be manipulated by the higher ups. If um, I foresee um, the potential, you know, if abused, that if they see, someone sees that you are buying certain things that, uh, given the current net or the narrative of the time, you're buying stuff that the higher ups don't want you to buy, you can be punished for it. Oh, well, so here's a here's a scenario. So. Let's not go to terrorism and buying explosives and weapons and things like that. But if you were, let's say, a prepper mm-hmm. and you were obviously stocking up on things that any prepper would stock up on. So you're buying a, a unusually large amount of canned food every week, let's say, from the supermarket. Or you're buying things that would um, give a, take you off grid or make you more resilient. That, that would give away who you are, right? Your purchasing patterns would give away who you are. That could come to the attention of whoever um, trying to understand who this group is because they're obviously resisting the power of the time. Is that the sort of thing that could alert higher-ups to a a pattern of behaviour that then would be inhibited some way by controlling your money? Yeah, it could be. So if your spending patterns are not, um, not approved, shall we say, then yes, then you could be targeted and profiled. I mean, every time now that you go to a supermarket and you use a loyalty card, the supermarket knows the kinds of things you buy because it's you've connected a loyalty card to the items you've just bought. And so that can be logged. I'm not saying it is, but I'm saying it can be. And then what, and, and it's not just necessarily, you know, the higher ups in terms of governments, it could be insurance companies too. So if it's decided that, um, I don't know, let's be crazy here. Let's say that buying pineapple and eating pineapple is, is bad. Or, okay, here's another one. Meat. Okay. All yeah. right, meat. Okay, yeah. meat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um they might say, okay, well, you know, it gives you bowel, but you, you're buying too much of it. Your uh, risk of bowel cancer has now gone up. We also don't want you buying that particular meat because we want you to buy the stuff that's being manufactured in a lab rather than the real stuff. And they could make um, various assertions and go, well, okay, you're, you're buying too much meat, so... We think you're now a risk, so your insurance premium goes up because they're starting to think, okay, well, their chances of cancer, bowel cancer have gone up, so that means that when they come to us for a payout, 
we're going to have to cough it up. So we'll just charge them more now so we can get our money back. So your risk profile goes up. Yeah. Um, or it's a political thing because that's that's another dimension of what you've just mentioned there is that there is a push in some parts of the uh, political spectrum and culture to eliminate meat from diets or to get uh, animals, ruminants off the land for environmental reasons. That's one way of doing it. Yeah. And, and also, I don't know if you recall a few years ago, I'm not 100% sure, but I think it was the insurer AMI. I could be wrong about that. But they had TV advertisements about downloading their driver app onto your phone. Yeah, so vaguely remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole point of that was to have to spy on you, to see if you, you know, what kind of driver you were. You know, are, are you a little heavy on the brake? Are you a little heavy on the accelerator? Or Is that where the accelerometer and all those little gadgets in the phone come in? Yeah. So um, if an app has permission to all of that, it is monitoring what you're doing. And, and, and in the same way, there are, um, you know, uh, fitness trackers that uh, monitor your body. Well, where's that data going to? Again, making assessments of your health. Exactly. From it. Yeah. And then mix in AI. Yes. Monitoring all this. And you might not even have human decisions controlling your life. Exactly. And, and all of a sudden, you know, one day you can't take money out of your account. You can't buy a particular item because something comes up on the, on the screen at the checkout saying, sorry, prohibited item or something like that. I mean, I know this is dystopian sounding, but. Well, look at the last two years, Steve. Yeah, I reckon. Um, it's it's not crazy anymore um, at all to me. Though people could choose not to comply, but quite often people choose to comply. It's easier, right? Convenience. It's that, yeah, it's that C word again. It's convenience. You know, um, people don't want to make a fuss. There's the tall poppy syndrome. If I'm seen to be doing things differently, I will be um, cut down. And everyone else will want to pull me down, things like that. Seems to be particularly a New Zealand thing. That's about the third time this week I've heard tall poppy syndrome mentioned. I think it is. I think instead of shooting each other down, we should be pushing each other up, encouraging each other. Well, I think we've ranged around some of the main points. So maybe next time we chat, next Tuesday, we can go through maybe more of a sort of like procedural um, walkthrough how to deactivate some of the, you know, tracking and, and, and back and forth communication that goes on with our devices that we're unaware of and render some practical advice to listeners on that. So I think maybe that's something we could do next time. I think it would be a good plan because uh, you've got to start somewhere. If you want to start taking responsibility and taking your power back in the digital space, you've got to, pick something and I say to people, look, just pick one thing you think you can do well and then get good at that. Christchurch techie Stephen Sykes, thanks for that. And Stephen will be back next Tuesday. We're going to start Tech Tuesday. We started it right now, in fact, but we'll be here every Tuesday with tech advice. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.